He comes seeking adventure in salty old pirates, eh? Take him back into the past, into the days of the pirates, you know, where the Caribbean area was full of pirates. Yo-ho, yo-ho, a pirate's life for me. We're working on a full-scale pirate. Well, this will animate when we have it in the show, you know. He'll talk and... And we'll have all kinds of uh, body movements and things. They carry on a regular little uh, story, you know. You're listening to The Mousecapades Podcast. Sponsored by Two Tickets to Paradise.net. From the mighty Mississippi and just west of St. Louis. From the inspiration of Main Street USA and all of our beloved Disney childhood characters, where a simple farm boy grew up to become a genius innovator and the keeper of childhood magic. Of course, I am talking about Walt's childhood state of Missouri. To all who come to this happy place, welcome my friends. You are listening to the Nick and Dave Mousecapades Podcast. Interested in becoming a travel agent yourself and helping others plan their next Disney vacation? Interested in learning more about Surge 365? How to get paid to travel, make $1,000 bonuses, or just simply want to book your next Disney vacation with Disney professionals? Well, Dream Makers at Two Tickets to Paradise Travel are ready to help you make your wish come true. Contact travel at two tickets to paradise.net. Don't dream your life. Live your dreams. Have an idea, question, or want to share your experiences on the show? Contact Nick and Dave anytime. Email them at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. Text them at 407-674-0414. Follow Nick and Dave on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Simply search for Mousecapades Podcast. Listen to Nick and Dave on iTunes, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, and Stitcher Radio. Simply search for Mousecapades. Mousecapades Podcast. Now, from the Mousecapades Studios, here are your hosts, Nick and Dave. In episode 12, you'll be whisked away into a world of the most popular, well-loved Disney attractions. With the help of his Imagineers, Disney created a boat ride featuring thrills, chills, and space-age robotics known as audio animatronics to bring life to the multitude of salty characters that make the Pirates of the Caribbean the fascinating experience that it is. During the course of our episode tonight, you will float through an immersive, larger-than-life pirate adventure featuring gunshots, cannon blasts, and burning buildings, all set to pirates carousing and pillaging while accompanied by Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. As the episode begins in the bayou amid glimmering fireflies and an evening abuzz with croaking of bullfrogs, crickets and toads, and all sorts of waterfowl, you'll hear their eerie songs quietly throughout the swamp as you drift slowly past several rickety houseboats. The soft strumming of a banjo melody just like the one you hear right now, will be heard over the peaceful symphony of nature on the porch of which an old man calmly rocks back and forth in his rocking chair. So listeners, mousecapaders, 
grab your women and children, hold them tight against your chest because we are going into pirate infested waters and on a ride, the Pirates of the Caribbean. What if you could travel like a rock star for pennies on the dollar? What if you could earn an unlimited number of $1,000 bonuses for showing others how to do the same? What if we could show you how to become completely financially free in the most exciting, sexy, fun business on the planet? Perfect, because we have all of that with a brand new company that just launched. A company with proven management, unique and documented technology, and perfect timing. A product that everybody wants and even dreams about. And a compensation plan that pays out better than anything in the industry. It's called Surge 365. Find out how you can be a part of something big and make your travel and financial dreams come true. Timing is everything and positioning is vital. It's your time. Let's go. So Mousecapade friends, we've been at this for about two months now, and Dave and I have been tossing around some ideas as to what direction we'd like to take the show. We would like a more friendly direction for the show. So Dave, I'm going to let you go ahead and tell listeners what it is that we've discussed. Well, we're hoping that the listeners out there will have an understanding of what we're going to be doing before we actually have the show. So we've come up with a format, and we're going to kind of uh, have a theme for our shows, if you will. Uh, one of our shows will be a ride-through experience where uh, Nick and I will take you through a ride when we're watching the video of, of the uh, point of view of that ride, and we will talk about facts, history, tidbits, throw out probably some hidden Mickeys in there too, uh, and then she also share our experiences if we have any memories of that ride. We'll do another show where we talk about rumors and anything that's off the Diz boards. There's a lot of weird things that go on uh, as far as rumors with those Diz boards, and some of them are true and some of them are not. So uh, we'll just kick some of those around and talk rumors. A third thing that we'll do is we'll find somebody to interview, and uh, it could be a cast member. It could be uh, a former cast member. It could be you. We're hoping to share experiences with you, and hopefully you'll be willing to share some of your experiences at these parks with us. So uh, anybody that has gone on a trip recently, maybe even not so recently, um, give us a call, and we can uh, hook you up and hopefully have you get the chance to share that experience with us. And then finally, the last show of each month, we will hopefully be working on something strange or paranormal that goes on in the Disney world. Yeah, and listeners, I, I want to piggyback off what uh, Dave just said. We really want your input. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your experiences in the park or wherever it may be. We would also like you to give us a shout-out. Email us at mousecapadespodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can always text us 407-674-0414. But most importantly, we really do want to hear from you. We want to hear from the listener. You know, Dave, when we first set out on this journey of creating this podcast, it was really supposed to be not only a podcast talking about the weird and strange and interviewing some people every now and then, but a podcast for the people of the people kind of thing and listen to their stories and get a little glimpse of what they have experienced. Yeah, when we talked, we decided, both of us, that uh, one of the biggest reasons for starting this show is because we just like talking Disney, and we like to talk with people besides ourselves, you know? So Nick and I have shared pretty much all of our experiences together, and now it's time to hear some new experiences from other listeners out there. Yeah, thanks, Dave. All right. I got some news this week, Dave. 
And boy, oh boy, Disney is doing it again, Dave. You know, they just keep thinking of new ways just to make that Disney experience that much more enjoyable. And get this, they're coming, well, they're thinking about coming out with like some sort of Disney online streaming media format. So some sort of player like a YouTube? I, you know, I'm not really sure. The only thing that has been released from Disney is that they're thinking about coming out with an online Disney streaming service, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, kind of piggybacking off of sounds like the Amazon Prime and the Netflix and all of that. Yeah, so I can't wait for that to be rolled out or just to see what it is all about. They have also released a date called Force Friday, which is September 4th, when they plan on releasing all of the new Star Wars memorabilia tied to the new movies that are coming out. Yeah, and you and I talked about this before the show. I just, I have kind of an issue with going out and buying something when I don't know what it is. So I'm sure that there will be plenty of people out there that will snag that stuff up. But going out and buying something, like before the movie comes out, uh, that's just, that's odd to me. Yeah, but us Star Wars fans out there, we don't care, man. We're just going to buy it all up and bring it home. I know there's plenty out there. Yeah. So, listeners, don't forget, that is September 4th. It is called Force Friday. All right, Dave, you know, last episode we talked a little bit about Indiana Jones. That caught the rumor mill with, uh, you know, the ball not working properly. Well, Indiana Jones made the media yet again this week with Disney announcing they're going to build an Indiana Jones-themed restaurant coming to Disney Springs. It's going to be called The Hangar, and it's based off of Jock Lindsay, you know, He was that pilot that rescued Indy in the beginning of the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's going to be an aviation-themed bar. It's going to have about 150 seats. They're going to have hangers hanging from the ceiling for fans and things like that. So it's going to be propeller-themed. They're also going to have the bar outside attached to the building on a boat, which I think is is pretty neat. So I can't wait to go down there this summer and check out the new uh, restaurant-slash-bar called The Hangar. Pretty cool. Yeah, just one more reason to go to Disney Springs. Also, you know, this caught my eye in the Huffington Post, Dave. Uh, this was an article out there a while back. Um, you know, the the wristbands, the magic bands? Yep. Yeah, pretty cool. You know, you tie everything to it. Your room key, sales, uh, reservations, your meals, everything is tied to it. We already know that. You don't want to go on a vacation without one. But they started talking about the wristbands and something called data mining. And do you know what data mining is, Dave? Yeah, I do now. We talked before the show, and I had no idea what it was before you said that word to me. Data mining, where they just collect data on individuals, track you wherever you may be in line waiting for a ride, where you're eating, how long is it taking you to wait in that line, how long is it taking you to get from point A to point B. Basically, just really, listeners, picking up your habits. Disney has something special here, Dave, because I think what they'll be able to do with this data mining is gather all this data for their benefit and make your experience just that much more magical inside the parks and outside the parks. I know you're big on conspiracy theory, so uh, that's got Big Brother written all over it, how they're going to track you down and find you wherever you might be. Right, you know, and, and, and shockingly enough, Dave, you know that I love conspiracy theories, and at times you might call me a... Uh, a conspirator or whatever, but... Uh, Among other things. Right. <laughs> right, which he does, listeners. Um, you know, I'm not against this at all. I really think the Magic Band service 
has just optimized my uh, magical experience at Disney. So I'm I'm a fan of it. I'm not against it like some are. Well, good luck to the poor schmuck that's going to track me as I run through the parks collecting everything that I need to collect. Right. All right, so let's move on, Dave. Hey, man, what do you got for us in history? We're traveling backwards in time. Right now, we're leaving the world of today behind. So if your imagination is ready, here we go. We're kicking off this week, Sunday, May 17, 1991. You ever stay at the Port Orleans French Quarter Hotel, Nick? I've never been there, buddy. So this is the day in history, 1991, that Port Orleans French Quarter Resort opened up. Now, uh, I have not stayed in the Port Orleans Resort. However, I have gone to the River Roost and seen Yeehaw Bob. That dude is awesome. And like everybody I talk to about Disney, I always tell them, you got to go to the River Roost and see Yeehaw Bob. Yeehaw Bob is this dude that dresses up. He's, he wears colorful clothes and has like suspenders on and plays piano. This piano like rocks back and forth. And while it's rocking back and forth, he's playing it and just having a good old time. It's total audience involvement. He, sing, he plays all these songs that are like sing-along songs, but they're super cool. Um, and he just gets everybody involved. And it's such a great night to uh, go to this go to this place. You got to go to the River Roost and see Yeehaw Bob when you're there this summer because he is awesome. I, I try to leave the Midwestern side of me uh, back home. And, no, so, uh, th- so you think this guy is kind of hillbilly-ish, right? And right. it sounds kind of weirdo. But he is total, like, you look at his resume, he's got his resume online, and he has a phenomenal resume. And the guy is just a, like, a super professional. But he just likes to have fun, so he just goes out and, like, entertains the pants off of people. I mean, he's good. Well, And this is at Port Orleans. Yeah, Port Orleans. It's called the River Roost. Okay. Um, it's a I'll... it's a bar, but you can send your kids there because uh, there's <laughs> plenty. There's plenty of like it's a family type atmosphere. All right, awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. I guess when I go down this summer. Yeehaw, Bob. He's the man. Yeehaw. All right, moving on. Next day, May 18th, 2003. This was the day that Finding Nemo, one of the greatest movies in Disney Pixar history, premiered at Hollywood. Yeah, can you believe it's been over 10 years already? Can't wait, because Ellen has been trying to get uh, Disney Pixar to actually make the next Finding Nemo, and it's coming out soon. I think it's, I don't think it's still like 2017. Yeah, Finding Dory. Finding Dory is coming out. I cannot wait. Love that movie. Yeah, you know, their um, Incredibles 2 is coming out, too. Yeah, the Incredibles movie is good, too. Matter of fact, I just heard one of my students the other day talking about the Incredibles. She's a gymnast, and she's like, I wish I could stretch like Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> Everyone likes Mrs. Incredible. <laughs> Moving on, May 19, 2000. I thought this was pretty cool. That's why I wrote it down for my day in history. This is uh, being the space nut that I am. This was the day that the plans for Mission Space, I guess like the blueprints and the drawings for Mission Space, they were put on board a space shuttle and they flew on Atlantis in the mission STS-101. So the like the plans for Mission Space flew in space before the park was even built, before that ride was even built. That is so, awesome. Do they, yeah. do they do they have that on display? They should. I, I have not seen it. I, maybe I haven't been paying close enough attention, but... I haven't either, but that would be really neat. I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm going back in my head from last year. That was the first time I'd gotten on that ride. I didn't see it, but that would be really cool to have that and have a placard and talk about that. Well, usually when they have things like that that fly in space, they have, like, a, like this one would have an Atlantis flag, and it would, it would have the mission patch and that kind of thing, and 
usually when something flies in space, they put that next to it to commemorate it, I guess you could say. Uh, but I have not seen anything like that. And not, not saying it's not there, I just haven't seen it. Awesome. Outstanding. Yeah. Cool that the plans flew in space before the ride was built. Uh, May 20th would be our next day. May 20th of 1963. I threw this one in there because we talked about this one. Okay, so 1963, one of our former shows. This was the one that I did most of the talking in. What happened? Well, Saint, the whole St. Louis Disneyland thing fell through. That's right. This is the day that Walt and his wife came to St. Louis. They took them to a site where they saw two legs coming up out of the ground for the arch, incomplete, still in process of being built. Then they turned them to the side and said, this is the place where Riverfront Square Park is going to be built. And they were hooked. Walt Disney was hooked from that time on, all the way up until the time they said that it wasn't going to happen in 1964. Yeah, and it breaks my heart every time we sit and talk about it that, uh, you know, St. Louis almost had it, shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, the Disneyland that never happened. I like where it is. Uh, May 21st, 1998. Taking us over to the West Coast, Disneyland. This was the day that the new Tomorrowland was unveiled to the public. Yeah, I see that look on your face, and I have no idea what that means. The new Tomorrowland. I guess it's Tomorrow Tomorrowland. So they did a big refurbishment to the whole the whole land, Tomorrowland. I guess they, they kind of made it uh, – they, they thought maybe the future was getting to be more present, and they decided to make it more futuristic again. I, I don't know. But this is the day that that happened. It happened yesterday, the day after tomorrow, right? Anytime in the future, that's when it's going to happen. That was a joke. I know, I got okay. you. Okay, moving <laughs> along, moving along. This would be May twenty second, 2005. Now, I mentioned this one because this is all about today's episode. This is the day that Thurl Ravenscroft died. Now, we're going to hear about him today, but Thurl Ravencroft did a ton of stuff for Disney. He was a voice guy, but he's best known outside the Disney realm for being... Tony the Tiger, and the Grinch, who stole Christmas song. Yeah, so we're going to hear about this dude today in our in our feature presentation. Sorry I'm no help, Dave. That's all right, man. Thurl Ravenscroft, he, you wouldn't believe all the things that he's done. He died on this day on May 22nd, 2005. And then the last thing I have for us to round out our week, May 23rd, 2001. This is one of the most surprising rides that uh, when I took my daughter on uh, her first or second trip to Disney, we got squirted right in the face. Which ride is it? Squirted right in the face? Yep. And this is a ride? Yep, at Disney World, Magic Kingdom. Made its debut in 2001. Don't tell me, Dave. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I knew I'd stomp you. This one is the Magic Carpets of Aladdin. Oh, yeah, I don't even waste my time on that one. Oh, are you kidding, dude? This ride is hilarious. No. They have, they have a cast member that controls this huge camel that spits on people. So um, when you're walking through Adventureland, be aware that the camel's going to probably spit on you. But they also have another part of this where the camel can spit on you as you're in the ride. So we're going around in circle. It's, it's just like Dumbo. but and It's got to hurt. Right. That's why I never go on magic it because I, I hit Dumbo and I don't <laughs> well, go on the magic carpet. Well, the first time I went on it with Mia, we are going around, we're going around, and we're going around, and all of a sudden, wham, we get nailed and we got spat on by the camel. 
Yeah, I never understood the Magic Carpet Ride because I find it very highly, highly redundant. I mean, you have the Dumbo Ride, which is tried and true, and everyone loves Dumbo, and then, okay, let's put in Magic Carpet. It's the same thing! I think I they did that because it's a limited space. They can get away with, you know, that limited space, plus they have... Uh, they have their characters that need to set up right there, you know. Make it a ride where you're on the carpet and you go through some land or something, not in a circle, you know. Uh, but now that you get spit on by a camel, who doesn't want to be spit on by a camel? Or would you say <laughs> spat on? I don't even know. Anywho. It was one of the highlights of the trip for us, man. That's how, that's sad, but it actually it was really funny. Did it get it you in the face? Well, yeah, and it just nailed both of us. And we just looked, we turned and looked at each other, and we were like, what just happened to us? So, uh pretty funny so now we know what to look for so beware of the spitting camel that's all i have for this week in disney history all right up next mousecapaders we are going to talk about one of the best rides on earth the pirates of the caribbean yeah yo ho ho a pirate life for me baby we'll work on nick's saying of yo ho yo ho what what did i do it wrong <laughs> yeah you one less yo and too many hoes okay wait a minute Grab hold of your women and children, listeners, because it's time that we take a trip down to the bayou and board a boat to the Pirates of the Caribbean. Artimatey. Now, this ride was actually opened in 1973, Nick, uh, two years after the park opened because uh, there was such a high demand at the one in California that people just expected it in Florida and they didn't get it, so they were unhappy and Disney listened to them and uh, created this ride two years after the park opened. And, of course, you're talking about the Magic Kingdom. This is correct, yeah. This ride's about eight and a half minutes long. It's got 126 audio animatronics. 69 of those are pirates. Look at that guy with his camera. He's like, what, what, where am I going? He has no idea. See, that guy doesn't know that you need to choose the left line because it's faster. Always the faster line. <laughs> right, and that woman was trying to tell him. One of these cool things about the, the ride that Disney always does with their rides is they kind of immerse you into the whole situation. So you're going through this dungeonous looking place. Uh, by the way, this castle was modeled after a real castle in San Juan called Castillo del Moro. Hey, look, man, those skeletons are playing chess. Yeah, and the rumor is that they have these two skeletons playing at a stalemate, and they stuck in that position because they played so long with no moves. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I did some research online, and there was this thing called the Florida Project, Dave, that actually uh, debunked that, and they took pictures over the span of 10 years. Once a month, they would ride the ride, and they noticed that the chess pieces actually moved. So, sorry, listeners, those skeletons did not play to their death. All right, I'm doing my math, and I carried my one here. That would be 120 times they rode the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> you did your fourth grade that, math correctly. That Good is for amazing. You. All right, now, coming up on some of the newer features, in 2006, they, uh, the Imagineers added a couple of features to this ride that involved Jack Sparrow and the whole movie aspect of Pirates of the Caribbean, one of which is the smoke wall, which projects uh, Blackbeard and Davy Jones um, saying different things, and, and the cool part about that is you get to kind of reach up and try and smack them in the face as you go by. We're coming up on a pretty cool part here, and this is where they have the mermaids swimming underneath the water. Yeah, and, and I, kinda... think, I think they added that one from the uh, On Stranger Tides movie. They did, yeah, and it looks absolutely sweet. It glows from underneath the water, and it's pretty cool. 
Okay, oh, so what we have here? You round the corner here, and you've got all of these skeletons on the ground. Uh, hey, some of them chained up in boats, some of them with swords through them standing on the wall. I, I uh, thought I saw my wife. Yeah, now the, the, the cool thing about the one in California is that they actually did have real skeletons inside of this ride. Now, I thought that was pretty sweet. We talked about that on our previous show, I think. So you go through this cavernous area, and you see the skeleton uh, captain here driving his boat. The wind's blowing, and then you can just tell that the storm is a-brewing. That would be uh, sailing his boat there, Dave. What did I say? Driving. Oh, my fault. Not much, <laughs> not much of a captain. Uh, and then you take this fall. So the reason that both the ride in California and in Florida Ooh. fall is so that they can get underneath of the train tracks for the from the Disney World train that goes by. The waterfall. And at the bottom of the waterfall, you round this cavern, and you are thrust into the scene of a battle between a pirate ship and a fort. Now, I don't know if it was always this way, but the captain of this ship in, in uh, the Magic Kingdom looks just like Barbosa and sounds like him, too. So uh, I don't know if that was a coincidence or if they purposely reimagined him. Oh, well, yeah, they reimagined him to fit the movie, but that was pretty cool to see the cannonballs hit the water. I mean, they're not actual cannonballs being lobbed at you, but they give you that feel with the air being shot up at you through the water. Pretty yeah, cool. you can even feel those cannon, or those cannonballs as they go whizzing by you. They right. Really don't. <laughs> the compressed air being shot next to the, uh, to the person riding the boat. What do we have here, Dave? Yeah, so this is the next scene that we're coming up on where it seems they've captured the mayor of the city and it's time for a Duncan. They're trying to figure out where Captain Jack Sparrow is and apparently they think the mayor knows because uh, they got him all strung up and they're about to dunk him. And this is where his wife comes out in the second story balcony and she yells, Don't tell him, Carlos, don't be a chicken. And it's like, I remember that moment from when I was like four years old and like, it's just... The memories every time I go on this ride just flow. You and then say if, that you, again. <laughs> if you uh, if you look at the guys that look like they're in nightgowns on this in this room right by the wishing well, one of them is actually a duplicate of the auto audio animatronic caretaker of the haunted mansion. And there we have Jack Sparrow hiding, you know, just around the corner. Yeah, he's slick like that. He he is definitely the worst pirate anyone's ever met, just like they say in the movie. All right, so here we have an auction. It, it looks like it's a it's an auction for a whole bunch of winches that yeah. you can purchase for 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 a hefty price, uh, gold to bloom. Yeah, and it's uh, you know, there there was a part, there was a time period where they decided that this was a lot of the things on this ride were politically inappropriate, and they took out a lot of the sexual content on this ride. But it's amazing that this this scene stayed because it's my favorite. And that's where you met your wife, ultimately, yeah. correct? I, I was one of these guys right here on the side that keeps chanting, "We want the redhead," except for my <laughs> wife's not a redhead. <laughs> Only on Monday nights. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> So anyway, so uh, in that ri- in that part of the ride, uh, we talked about the mayor getting dunked, and then you come across this pooped pirate, which is one of the center of controversies uh, before you leave to go to the next room. And uh, the controversy is that he was holding up some women's undergarment and talking about how he had his way with her, and he was willing to share, and then they changed that through. And, uh, and then he was holding up food for a while, talking about how good the food was. And then finally, with Jack Sparrow arrival, Jack Sparrow is hiding in the barrel. And he's talking about how he's looking for Jack Sparrow. Right, which is a cool change. But you know, with all this politically correctiveness, uh, I, I don't know, man. I, I think at Disney you could pretty much get away with it. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then so you have the guy here that's trying to feed the kittens rum, and he's off his rocker for sure. And he's trying to uh, he's trying to help the cats to join him and get them drunk. Uh, who knows what's going to happen in that in that case? <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> Uh, and then you come across these three guys that are singing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song. Now, that brings up two main guys that I want to talk about. One guy's name is Paul Freeze. He is credited uh, with the talking skull and, skull and crossbones at the beginning of the ride that says, Dead men tell no tales. That's his voice. But he also did some voices. in the. He is the host of the Haunted Mansion, the narrator that you hear in the Doom Buggies. And then he's also the voice of that auctioneer we heard that was just pot, uh, auctioning off the wenches. And he also did some some work with the with the uh, Hall of Presidents too. So well, well here we're, we're we're in a town, and man, I tell you what, the the, the city's burning, and that fire looks so real. Yeah, and I t- I told you before we started the show that when I was a kid, I I smelled the fire. So I don't know if they pump the smell in like they do in so many rides, but as an adult, I don't I don't smell that as much. I don't think my memory doesn't strike me. Now I have heard and i've also read this online too that really that fire is just cloth with fans and light yeah light shining at it and fans blowing that's amazing yeah it's just like a silk fabric with the light showing on them. now here's a cool fact coming up uh, right after they show the the pirate that's drunk on the side with the pigs surrounding him which another mystery to me like who gets that drunk that they're surrounded by pigs sleeping pigs um, but you're going to well, cross underneath of this bridge here and if you look there's a parrot that's perched on top of a mug and on that mug is the family crest of the Disney family well I think uh, I don't know which came first you know the chicken or the egg but in this scene here you know that was a scene depicted in the movie The Pirates of the Caribbean so I don't know if that was uh, the, the movie was made to this ride yeah, or if the I ride was that. changed I, I don't know and it was the first ma- it's the first ma- uh, Captain Jack Sparrow's first mate that is sleeping right. with the pigs and they yes. smell so yeah. bad so here you have my favorite scene with the prisoners dangling uh, like a, a stick or something. What are they dangling here, Dave? It's something, uh, a bone. It's a bone. bone. That's what it is, a bone trying to get the dog to come over with the keys. Yeah, and so uh, another rumor going through that I've seen is that the lock on this door is supposed to look like a hidden Mickey. And I never got it. Like I've zoomed in on it with my camera, and I did not see the hidden Mickey. But they say that that lock is hidden Mickey. And of That'd course, this dog, this find. dog doesn't go anywhere. And it's weird that you see this dog throughout this ride two, three times. And then a lot of people also say that that dog is the same one as the caretaker's dog in the haunted mansion too. So there's a lot of connection between these two rides. And then finally, you round one last corner, and here you are looking straight into uh, the treasure room with Jack Sparrow just sitting on his throne and singing his pirate song. <laughs> yeah. And you know it's amazing with uh, they still call them the audio animatronics now even though it's not audio you know with the whole discs that would send the beeping noises to the robot but now the technology it's all digital but he looks so real I just couldn't get over the fact that Jack Sparrow actually looks real for a split second your mind plays tricks and you think it's an actor but then you're like no it's not. Yeah, but maybe when you went, it wasn't an actor because they also say that Johnny Depp comes in and plays tricks on people in this ride and actually takes over some days and then just, like, jumps out from out of nowhere. You're kidding me. No, he actually does. Because I swear, uh, when I went through this last year, it looked so realistic at the very end here. Because it just the arms swaying back and forth was not robotic. 
Yeah, and when I was doing research for this, my, my daughter was in the room with me watching it, and she made a comment about how much more realistic he looked than any of the other audio animatronics. Well, technology, you know, it's advanced yeah. so much through the years. Okay, now we have safely returned. And yeah, this uh, is true. thank goodness we made it, Dave. I'm so glad. And, and like most pirates, you take the escalator out to the gift shop. Well, that's that's Disney's treasure room, right? They're well, selling the, you. That's another first. This was the first ride to ever make its exit into a gift shop. And think about all of the rides at all of the different parks and how how most of them now exit into some sort of a gift shop, even at Six Flags right. here locally. <laughs> what? What park? <laughs> you know Six Flags, listeners. No, I I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. That place does not exist. So I'm glad we made it through this ride, Dave. We made it through the Pirates of the Caribbean. Thanks for taking us on this little uh, audio tour. Yeah, it's cool. I'd just like to uh, share some of the little tidbits and facts that I hear, and, and like I said, also those experiences. So do we have anything more for the listeners, Dave? Uh, no, I think that's about it for this week. This ride was a, a complete success, so uh, hopefully, like I said, once a month we'll be walking you through a ride, and um, maybe we'll share this video on our uh, show summary is so that you can kind of play the video as you listen to our podcast and share this experience with us. Hey, listeners, I have a special treat for you. Please stay tuned because I have found some pretty cool clips online that I'd like to share with you that goes through the actual creative process of the original Pirates of the Caribbean out in Disneyland. I know we were just talking about the one in Magic Kingdom, but this stuff is just too cool not to let you hear about it. So stay tuned and uh, listen to what Walt Disney himself had to say about the Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates is one of the earliest attractions designed for Disneyland, but it was going to be a wax museum. You'd walk through and see static scenes of great moments in pirate mythology. Originally, it was part of New Orleans Square. This is what we call New Orleans Square. All these little streets are going to be very intriguing, little shops and things. And, and here's a picture of it from the riverfront as it will look when it's finally finished. They cleared out the area at Disneyland where New Orleans Square would be dug a giant hole in the ground for the basement because actually all the attractions are down underground underneath New Orleans. And once the steel was up, they stopped because Walt Disney had become involved in the New York World's Fair. The New York World's Fair was really important in the development of uh, Disney theme park shows because by that time we'd been handling, for example, in It's a Small World with the boat ride, over 3,000 people an hour, which is an enormous challenge. They sat down after the fair and tried to figure out how to adapt these boats to the pirates' building. Turns out to get the boats down into the basement and get the boats back up out of the basement took up all the space they had. So they said, well, Walt, what do you want us to do with that already existing basement? And he said, well, make it into caves or something like that. Suddenly, it's nighttime and you're in the swamps and the bayous, and you're, you've got these boats going by. So you're instantly transformed into a magical place. And there's a sort of eerie moving around in the darkness, and you hear sounds, and you turn the corner, you hear screams from around the corner, you turn the corner, and there is the talking skull, of course, the Jolly Roger that sets up the tail. But keep a weather eye open, mates, and hold on tight, with both hands, if you please. <laughs> And then you have a big surprise, and everybody screams and laughs in the dark as you go down the waterfall. People 
are going to get on a boat here and ride through the lagoon. And then as they get around here, we're going to take them down a waterfall, take them back into the past, into the days of the pirates, you know, where the Ribbian area was full of pirates. And... pirates as skeletons, they're already dead, as you've gone into this world. And then reveal this fantastic room where now the pirates come to life. Fire at will! Strike your colors, you bloomin' cockroaches! We'll see you to Davy Jones! We had everybody that had all the talent that you could find in this organization at that time were, were directed to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was just a symphony of wonderful, wonderful, creative people all working on what has turned out to be the greatest theme park attraction that's ever been done, in my view. We all started from not knowing what we were going to be getting into. The thing that has always been the marvelous thing working for Walt Disney was everybody pitched in and tried to figure out how to do it best. And if you came up with a better idea than somebody else, there wasn't any animosity or anything. They just, wow, that's a great idea. And we'd all work on that. And then said, later on, we'd maybe come up with something that was even better. Two of the individuals who really had a huge influence on Pirates of the Caribbean were Claude Coates and Mark Davis. And Mark Davis, of course, was one of Walt's nine old men, the animators. And Mark really contributed the fantastic vignettes to the attraction. All the gags, the wonderful characters that are brought to life in the ride. Claude Coates created the fantastic settings. Claude worked in animation as a layout and background artist. So Claude created the setting, Mark created the characters, and together you got Pirates of the Caribbean. He and Mark, I think, formed a great pair because Mark's ability with character was without peer. He had come out of animation, he understood character, and he could create poses that have lived forever in our minds. The auctioneer. What be I offered for this winsome wench? The dunking of the mayor in the well. No! No! On the other hand, it was Claude who put us through all these amazing environments. You know, I've often thought of the pirate ride as a descent into like a dreamlike state. And I think what Claude was able to do with lighting and color and spaces was phenomenal. And everything that you experience in there in terms of the tight elements inside the caverns opening up into the vast harbor and then down into the dungeon and so forth, all of these things are what Claude was an expert on. We always did a three-dimensional model before anything because that's where we made our changes of the sets the staging, the placement of the characters. We, we did everything on the models. If the entire model was 40 feet long, the longest we had ever done. It's in one inch scale, 
so the pirates were approximately six inches, each sculpted figure. And it wound around just like it does in the ride. We set it on sawhorses at Walt's eye height so that when he walked through, he would be able to see it more or less like the public saw it. And then later, we put him on a chair with wheels and wheeled him through as though he were in a boat. Here's a pirate laden with loot. He's trying to escape. He's got one foot on the dock and one foot on a rocky boat. Good luck to him. <laughs> well, he can't make it. Or the show would go to pieces, you see. He has to stay there all the time and keep trying to get away. Blaine Gibson was brilliant at taking Mart's two-dimensional drawings and turning them into three-dimensional forms with the understanding of how all the mechanisms had to go into uh, each of these uh, characters. Having an animation background and working with some of the best animators in the world helped me when I began to get three-dimensional characters and to think in the terms of what they could do or not do. The idea of articulating dialogue with a figure seemed to me a little remote still at that time, and yet that did happen. We're working on a full-scale pirate. This will animate when we have it in the show, you know. He'll talk, and, and we'll have all kinds of uh, body movements and things. They carry on a regular little uh, story, you know. Then he'll be audio-animatronic. Audio-animatronic, that's right. Audio-animatronics is the trademark for our animation system, and it implies the use of audio to create animation. And it actually used to be thousands of little audio beeps and clicks and beep boop, beep boop, beep boop, all along that would go out to the sensors, and the sensors would listen for the beep, and they would react to the beep. So as the figures moved, what the figures were hearing were all these beeps and moops and boops and moops and moops. Today, of course, it's all done with highly sophisticated digital equipment. We don't use it. We still call it audio animatronics, but there's no audio anymore. You know, they said it couldn't be done, and we, we didn't know different, so we did it. And we developed the skins, the flexible face skins and the hand skins, and those are all things that we just worked on and came up with something, and that's, you know, Walt wanted a shop where anybody could do anything, and it give you a lot more flexibility to develop the shows. A lot of these heads that I did, it wasn't always Mark doing a sketch and then me, me trying to pick up a three-dimensional design from that, like the girl pulling up her skirt. I did that when he was on vacation. And uh, Walt, in fact, came in and says, now don't get too sexy with that, Blaine. But it wasn't sexy, you just lifted up a little bit and it was a long skirt. And also the auctioneer. That was just a made-up head. And that one was done before Mark did it, but he did them afterwards. I got a call from Walt, and he says, you know, I want you to do the script for the parts. And I said, oh, Walt, I've never done any script, and I've done storyboarding and stuff like that. And he says, I want you to do the script. So I got my pirate hat on and started researching and got the Treasure Island picture to get the feeling of pirate jargon of Aster Matey. Oh, yo, ho, pirate's life for me. We build it, we plant it, we rifle it, we break up, we hold your home. We can't 
kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot. Bring us The very first live action film that Walt Disney made was Treasure Island, which was a pirate film. So pirate lore, I think, has been part of this company, you know, since the dawn of at least live action films. In the mornings, before Walt used to go up to his office, he would wander through the shop, and he'd be working on something, he'd be standing there behind him, saying, good morning, what are you doing? And he appreciated the mechanical aspect of what we did. He understood animation, cartooning, filming, that kind of stuff. I mean, that was his bag. But what we did was magic to him. One of the things that Walt stressed was to try to create pirates as real looking as possible. My dad contacted a company that made glass eyes for people that lost one eye. And if you look at the pirates in that attraction and see the realism of those eyes, that's what really convinces us that there's more here than just a mechanical figure. Because there's they're human reproductions. Anybody who goes through the show will say, yes, I love the auction scene, but there's not a soul who goes to that show that doesn't look on top of the bridge and see the pirate's leg and see the hairs on his leg. They go, that is so cool. I had to put the hairs in one by one. We had everything we did, we did accurately and, and well. <laughs> the very day that Walt Disney died, I went out to the park shocked and I wandered as I did every week over to the windows of the pirate ride and I saw that for the first time ever the boats were going around and I, I rode the ride for the first time. There were no figures in it. It was dead silent and I was going on the greatest ride that would probably ever be built on the day that Walt Disney died. He was way ahead of his time in thinking of everything and he was a very gentle man and I think that his brother Roy, he and Roy, together were a marvelous team. And they really did bring to us a place you can go and relax and have fun. And there's not too many places like that left in the world. So they left us a great gift. Pirates has been one of our most successful and most popular attractions in history. It sort of defined what a Disney environmental attraction would be. It was the first one and has sort of been the benchmark. Whenever we do anything new, we, we sort of subconsciously say, how is it going to compare against Pirates? And as a result of that popularity, we've included it in every park we've built so far. It's around the world. That boat becomes a dream port. Uh, literally letting us as a group of 20 to descend down into a state of sort of altered consciousness. And I think that's the unique thing about rides because everyone writes their own script. We don't know it's the mayor. We don't know that that's the captain, that's the auctioneer. We can interpret these things and make up our own story and I think that's why these rides continue to delight over and over and over again. Just hold it.